0: Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, Good morning, Generations Church. Man, it is great to be here this morning. We welcome you to this Labor Day weekend Sunday. Thank you so much for, uh, for being here today and joining with us. Debbie and I counted a privilege to be a part of Generations Church. Um, I was a pastor for, better be careful, I don't know if I want to tell you before I share my message how long I was a pastor in case I bomb this, but um, for, for a lot of years. And I know a lot of pastors. Oh, hey, thank you. And um, I've never considered myself the greatest leader, But I always felt like I had the ability to spot and identify good leaders who had a great future. And I want you to know that Jeremy and Corey Isaacs are in that group. I want you to give it up for our pastors. (laughs) Last Sunday, last weekend, as we had our team meeting, and then as Pastor Jeremy shared for some reason, I had such a burden. For our, for our pastor, and people are going, whoa, 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 what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. <laughs> this church has a great future, and uh, it depends on leadership. We have a great pastor. We have a great staff. And I would just encourage you to join me in just praying for them and for supporting them and jumping in and being a part of the team. And let's, uh, let's just see the, the walls of this sanctuary burst, this entire facility filled with people who are coming to know God and to grow in Him and to serve Him. And uh, I just wanted to share that, uh, you know, this morning. The last several weeks, we have been involved in an object lesson series. And how many of you made it all four? listened to all four messages? See, I'm, I, I shouldn't raise my hand because I missed one. Uh, we, listened, we, we We were here for two. We were in Colorado for about 17 days. But I got home from Colorado, and on our dining room table was a little bottle of sand. And as soon as I saw that little bottle of sand, I said, "Be careful how you build. Don't build on sand." I said, "Man, yeah, this is great. Yeah, it's working." So guess what? Today, just for showing up on Labor Day Sunday, you get a bonus object And so I actually have a. We have a little gift for you that relates to the message of today. And so uh, we'll look forward to sharing more about that a little bit later. I'm going to be sharing a little bit about not just my story, but the story of some individuals who shed some light on this idea of how to have light in life's dark times. Uh, At the end of the service today, I have actually written a, a book about my story. In the, in the front of it, I say that uh, there are many people who encourage me to write a book uh, besides my mother. But uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm going to make that, we're going to make this book available for a donation to the missions of $10 or more. I've been involved, and I think Pastor Jeremy is going to share more about this next Sunday night, one of our uh, upcoming. Um, Legacy Projects is going to be trying to help build a uh, a Bible school discipleship training center in the northern Philippines. This is a really a poverty area, but there's a young couple that I've known for about 20 years that have been just doing a remarkable job. They have a, a vision and a burden to establish this Bible school and discipleship training center that will serve several provinces in the northern part of uh, the island of Luzon, the biggest island uh, in the Philippines. Uh, they have a, they land in a building and basically just want to renovate it into this discipleship training center. And so I want you to know that the, the, the money you give in exchange for a book today is going to be going to equip and change uh, the hearts and lives of those in the Philippines and beyond. Uh, what's interesting is uh, Filipinos actually have an opportunity to get into closed countries easier than uh, normal American missionaries. Uh, you find Filipino workers literally all over the world. They go, strong faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, they become uh, either regular missionaries or pastors, or uh, they become you know those who are. You know, working in those, uh, those various fields and still sharing their faith wherever they go. All right, let's talk a little bit about life's light for life's dark times. As I think of this topic, I'm reminded of one of the first meetings I had after being elected to the Fort Collins City Council. Fort Collins is the fourth largest community in Colorado. It's located about 60 miles north of uh, Denver. It's the home of Colorado State University, which got trounced by Michigan. And uh, to, no one's, to no one's surprise, you know, it's always interesting here at the beginning of the football season, you'll notice how all the top-rated schools play these low-ranked schools, so they come away with these horrendous, how many points they can score? I get, how many touchdowns, and they can run up to score or not. But... Uh, but anyway, CSU finally scored a touchdown against the third-string defense, which I was glad to see. But uh, but anyway, Fort Collins is the home of Colorado State University, which comprises probably about uh, 20% of the population. Um, a man who has been connected to Colorado State University since he graduated from there is a guy by the name of Gary Ozello. He worked for years in the uh, athletic department, and media, and then he became a a community representative from uh, CSU to the, uh, to the city council and to the entire community. And so when I was first elected to the Fort Collins City Council, one of the first meetings I had, and the call was from Gary Osello, I went to meet Gary. And it was interesting because I noticed on the little table in the coffee shop where we met was a, a devotional book by uh, Tony Dungy, the uh, you know, former Indianapolis Colts head football coach. Uh, Tony's a strong believer. Uh, interesting. So speaking of dark times, you know, Tony had a young adult son who committed suicide. But inside that book, I said, well, hey, that's kind of interesting. This must be Gary's great. Gary must be reading this. Actually, he brought it as a gift for me. Because inside that book was a little sticker in memory of a guy by the name of Kelly McGregor. Kelly McGregor was a graduate of CSU, outstanding athlete, and an outstanding, dedicated, committed Christian. He was the president of the Colorado Rockies, and he died suddenly at the age of 44. Dark times. And then as I began conversing with Gary, I began to learn about his life and his story. Gary, in his own words and by his own admission, referred to himself as a convenience store Christian. He said, you know, Ken, I kind of lived my life, and when really things got bad, I ran into the Christian, got what I, I ran into church, got what I needed, and left, just like you would run into the convenience store to get milk or bread. He goes, and then after about 30 years of marriage, all of a sudden, my wife left me. I was devastated. I didn't know what to do. I picked up the phone, and I called a friend of mine by the name of Kurt Hurdle. At the time, Kurt Hurdle was the manager of the Colorado Rockies. It was a Sunday, and Kurt was getting ready for a baseball game that day. Gary, in his distress, calls his friend, and really to my amazement, Kurt answered the phone. not like he didn't have other things to do on that. And Gary begins telling Kurt what had happened to him and how he was rest and he was a little bit taken back to his skirt almost kind of like chuckled but goes Gary God has you right where you are. he someone you to do three things you need to make a unconditional surrender of your life no bargaining no oh Lord I'll give you my life if just commit to him then get in God's word. And then get in the church in the community of faith believers. Gary did that. I talked to his pastor uh, a little bit after that and he said, I've never seen anybody grow so fast so solid in their faith. Gary and his wife lead a divorce recovery group at their church. He was a uh, kind of a key person with me as I served as the chair of the Northern Colorado Community National Day of Prayer. Psalm 1828 says, You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. The Good News translation puts it this way. O Lord, you give me light. You dispel my darkness. But we realize the truth today is that you can feel, and we can feel, overcome and overwhelmed by dark times. You can feel like the, the, the light we have is, is dim, about as dim as this little flashlight, until it's completely dark. And then all of a sudden, even that little light shines bright. Well the first thing I want you to realize is this, is dark times are a part of life. Now that sounds, I have a great grasp of the obvious, but dark times are part of life. As basic as that sounds, as common as that is, sometimes it doesn't always sink in or it didn't to me. You know, it seems like you're either in a dark time, you're coming out of a dark time, or you're ready for a dark time in the future. Life is filled with uncertainty, pain, trials. It can be a divorce, financial setback, a a death, even a natural disaster, a marriage that comes to an end. It's easy to look at our lives and to realize how quickly things can change. As a pastor, I remember those times when somebody was in a church service just like this, worshiping the Lord on a Sunday before the week was up I was standing in front of their casket shows how brief life be and how tragic life be but that's what makes heaven all the sweeter this world is not heaven but my friend there's coming a day and there's coming a place where there'll be no sorrow hate suffering I'm thankful for that and I'm thankful for that hope. You know, although we are confronted with the unexpected daily in the newspaper, in our own lives, friends, and families, dark times are, of course, never in our plans. I think of Job in the Old Testament. He said, Well, I thought, surely I will die surrounded by my family after a long, good life. That was kind of my perspective. I'd never been in the hospital, never had a broken bone. The uh, sports injuries I had weren't all that significant. The uh, illnesses I had were few and far between, and pretty much the common strep throats and things you get in Colorado from time to time. Uh, I would always, uh, when, when Debbie would express some, some kind of concern about uh, we have our house in order. What if something were to happen to you? And I try to reassure her, you know, okay, this is how you access. This is what we have. This is what we owe. This is what, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then the the, the disclaimer would be, what could possibly go wrong? Look at I'm healthy, not wealthy, and maybe not wise, but at least one out of three is not bad, you know, but... Uh, So I I really thought, you know, hey, um, I guess I ignored that proverb that says, don't boast about tomorrow until you don't know what tomorrow will bring. I had just finished serving six years in the Colorado House of Representatives. I had, uh, in 2012, I had lost a very closely, highly contested, highly profiled race for the Colorado State Senate. Debbie and I moved to Fort Collins, uh, which is her hometown and uh, I was going to focus my attention on my work with Team Challenge, at the Rocky Mountains. And within a month uh, of our move, the unexpected happened to me. Probably the, uh, the shortest, most concise way to share a little bit of my story is through a video. Turn your attention. To. Debbie and I moved to Fort Collins the end of June of 2013. Uh, Less than a month later I started feeling ill and as uh, over the course of some visits to uh, urgent care and then finally to my primary care physician, ended up being hospitalized on July 22nd. Uh, That led to almost five months of hospital and rehabilitation with me coming back to our home in Fort Collins on December 10th. What had happened, I'd been diagnosed with West Nile virus and went into uh, respiratory failure. I had meningitis and encephalitis. And so there were some real questions about, in those early days, as I was in intensive care, what my future might be, whether I would either uh, survive, and if I did survive, Uh, what kind of cognitive abilities that I would uh, regain. Uh, I'm thankful that in the course of time that uh, I was able to uh, rebound and to be on the road to recovery, but it's been a, a long haul. Even this year, I've been in the hospital several times with major infections, and at the end of February of this year, I almost died because of going into septic shock, and that required some uh, few days in intensive care, uh, a couple of weeks of recovery from uh, from that. And in the midst of it all, uh, I've just learned that you have to trust God, uh, you know, one day at a time. As an active person and a pretty intense person, I oftentimes think of Psalm 23 where it says, He makes me to lie down. And sometimes when you are forced to stop when life brings you to a stopping place. You have uh, no option but to uh, trust God, to place your life in His hands, and to know that He is with you each step of the way. Uh, I'm so thankful for my wife and family and friends who rallied to my side. I'm thankful for my church and for those who prayed intensely for me. And I realize that in the midst of that, when we can't believe for ourselves, there are others who will believe for us, who will come in and to hold us up and to stand in the gap, and that as we continue to trust God, we will find him to be faithful in uh, our lives. Uh, a theme song that we adopted was one that contains the, the words, God is with us, he is with us Always. And that's what I've learned through this whole process. That video was filmed actually at the end of 2014. Uh, I'm thankful that uh, since then for the most part it's been more like uh, more than three steps forward and one or two steps back at times. But we've certainly found that that God is faithful, and I realized that the truth of Isaiah 43.3 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I always thought that was kind of like the uh, being on an airplane when the stewardess says, in the unlikely uh, event that we experience uh, a change in cabin pressure, oxygen mass will drop from the Etc., etc., and you know, you go through that, you're going, Yeah, 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 that never happens. And that's kind of what it, why it was when I, when I would read Isaiah 43. I thought, I said, Well, in the unlikely event you pass through the water, difficult times, God will be with you. But then I noticed it says, When? It doesn't say if, <laughs> it says, When? Uh, and usually throughout your life, in some form or fashion, you can you guarantee it. It's going to happen. Dark times will come. In uh, Psalm 84, verses 5 and 6, it says, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. Pass through the valley of weeping, it will become a refreshing spring. So let me ask you today, how do you face... Dark times. Our attitude and our focus in Christ and, and his word can make all the difference. Uh, you, can, you can move from being a victim to a victor, from being a whiner to a winner, from viewing yourself as pitiful to seeing that you are powerful. Now, But it's still, even in the midst of that, as encouraging as we like to be, Uh, And even I have found in my life and experience, it's easier at times for me to slip backwards, to look at what I can't do more than what I can do and what the Lord has brought me through. It's easier to live in the what-ifs and the if-onlys of life, but it doesn't take away the reality of our life. I think of a story of a friend of mine uh, it begins with a young woman in the early '50s who found herself pregnant through a forced sexual encounter with a man that she was at least dating. Uh, I guess abortions were readily options. She certainly that wasn't necessarily in the cards for her. Uh, It was a pretty stressful situation. They 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 took from Denver over to the western slope of Colorado to a community of Grand Grand Junction, where she had the baby and gave the baby up for adoption. Soon after the the birth, she was told when she asked about the baby, she was told the baby had died a few days later. Well, the baby hadn't been died, and he actually had a uh, had a name. that had been given to him, but in in those days there was a Colorado Children's Home that became the place for orphaned children and babies that were given up at birth. The official records just referred to him as Baby Boy R. Baby Boy R. Well, Baby Boy R. spent you uh, know a total of five years. In the orphanage, many of his friends, many more. But even at that young age, he you remembered times when families would come to uh, adopt adopt a child, and he'd go home, and uh, he'd be in the front seat of the car. and The spirit was the attitude was light. The spirit was festive. Great sense of anticipation. And and a few days later, he was in the same car in the back seat. In a very somber environment, being taken back to. Well, he was able to leave that place. Family from Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, adopted him. And as he as he grew up, he uh, was raised in a good Catholic family. And one of the first things uh, he did was his mother taught him the Lord's Prayer. He had no idea what the Lord's Prayer was. He had no idea what the Lord was. She had a little picture of Jesus of his light switch. That's, that's okay, that's well, But when he grew up and as a child he used to shine shoes, make a little bit of extra money. And one day he noticed he was shining the shoes at Nice shoes. And he found out that he was shining the shoes of the mayor. And he thought, Wow, I wonder if someday I could own a pair of shoes like this. I wonder if one day I could be the mayor. And sure enough, after serving about 20 years on the Fort Collins, in the military serving 20 years on the Fort Collins Police Force, Ray Martinez became the first Hispanic mayor of the city of Fort Collins, Colorado. He's gone on, written well over 10 books. He does a podcast. he is one of the most respected and widely known individuals in the, in the state of Colorado. And he's the one who gave me these words. He said, Ken, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change. Let me say it again. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change. You see, our our attitude doesn't change our circumstances, but it can shed light into our circumstances. So The next thing I want to encourage you about is that the light we have is determined by our faith. Again, we don't know how good the light is until it is dark. And the dark times, when they do come, they will come to test our faith. Remember Jacob in the Old Testament wrestled with the angel of the Lord at night. And it's that Night, is that during those dark times of life that our faith will be tested. Are we going to hold on to God or are we not? First Peter 1.7 says, You have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in the praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. James one two and 3 says, It is the testing of our faith that produces steadfastness. But dark times can also build our faith. In the 1970s, there was a soul singer by the name of Andre Crouch. And he was an Emmy Award singer, sang at many Billy Graham Crusades, but one of his most familiar songs, most well-known songs over the years has been a song entitled Through It All. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in God. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. I've had times when I didn't know right from wrong. Every tribulation, God gave me consolation. Faith, and strong, Could all. Learn trust him. I've learned to trust. I've learned to trust. Dark times in life can build our faith. That is, if we run to him and not from him. And it is unfortunate because many times, Individuals will see those dark times as the time to run from God, instead of times running to Him. I think of a young man who almost literally ran to Him. When Andy Peterson first came through the doors of my church, he was standing at the front doors of the church. Actually, when he came in, and I looked at this little guy. You know, Andy's probably only like five eight, and I don't even know his weight's 140 pounds, <laughs> and uh, Looked at the puncture holes, in his face, and the stitches, and almost—I don't know why—you know—for some reason, the first thought came—I said, man, "This guy's been in a bar fight." I don't know; he's a mess. What I found out was this: is that uh, this young man in his twenties uh, actually worked as a park ranger at Chatfield State Reservoir, south of Denver. He was an avid outdoorsman and hiker and he went to on a familiar hike one day in the uh, in in April of 1998. Uh, He checked in at the ranger station, checked the board for wildlife sightings and anticipated what he might be able to see as he walked a a very narrow path. I mean, it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, by some Colorado standards, huge, It probably went up to just under 8000 feet in elevation. And as he was coming down from his hike, he stopped and he spot, spotted a couple of young spring flowers that were coming through some snow that was still on the side of the ground. And that caught his attention. But as he looked over, he saw something chewing on a bone or a stick or something. he goes, wow, it's a mountain. Well, that's kind of neat. And Then all of a sudden his awe turned to a little bit of panic and fear. And sure enough, before he knew it, that mountain lion was in front of him. He tried to prepare himself as much as possible to, you know, to ward him off, to do the things he are supposed to do, but before long, the mountain lion, who had just been kind of like playing with him, and so there were lacerations on his legs, and the mountain lion literally had his head, in the, the mountain lion had his mouth over the top of his head, and he could almost feel the crunching and the cracking it. Skull, the mouth, the mouth of the lion. You know, he tried to reach up with the, a knife that he had, and he felt two bumps, and he figured there was eyes, and he, so he poked as hard as he could, and the mountain lion released for a time, and and he started screaming down this narrow dirt path as fast as he could. He finally, got to a place where he could get to some help, and airlifted to the hospital, and obviously survived. But what I didn't know is this young man coming into my church not only was wounded on the outside, but he was dealing with some real wounds inside. From his parents, of course, young, through running with the wrong crowds, being involved in alcohol and drugs, Poor relationships, even at a young age. But Andy Peterson in those weeks during that dark time, rent. I had the privilege of baptizing him. And on the day we baptized him, we went back to Carpenter's Peak, we traced his steps to that hike. And I'll tell you when I when I saw the S curve or the the hairpin curve on that on that trail that he was running down. I don't know how he made it. I mean, I could barely see on my feet walking down this trail. He was interviewed by Oprah Winfrey because one of the things he says is running down the trail fearing this mountain lion was uh, was chased. He looked back and in the fork of the tree he said, I could have sworn I saw the face of Jesus. Oprah asked, how did you know that he was the face of Jesus? Classic supply was, I knew it wasn't the ice cream man. But in time, Andy Peterson has allowed his dark time, his story, his test, to triumph. And uh, he's been on Larry King, Oprah Winfrey. His story has been profiled in outdoor life. He has uh, spoken before large crowds. Uh, about his story and his testimony, he wrote a book called "Saved Twice," saved from a mountain lion, saved from uh, saved from sin, and from the roaring lion spiritually that looks to destroy our souls. I'm thankful for stories like that. God is able to use those dark times to build our faith. But we need to remember that our faith in God is the light that we need in the midst of darkness. Isaiah 7-9 says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Once again, when all you have is your faith in God, you will find your faith in God is all you need. Lord told the Apostle Paul in the midst of his suffering, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And so the third thing I would just point out is that the Lord must be the source of our light. I observed this. God doesn't give dying grace on non-dying days. Uh, As a pastor, I saw people in all kinds of situations in the hospital and, and I had my I never want to be in that situation list I never want that to happen to me and within a week of being hospitalized everything I never wanted to happen to me happened everywhere they could put tubes they put them I said I they they, they even did I they even like made holes where there weren't holes to put in tubes. You know, and I uh, was on life support for about seven weeks. Uh, long, lengthy recovery, completely paralyzed, immobilized. But there's the assurance of Scripture. Moses spoke to the tribe of Asher this blessing. As your days, so shall your strength be. And I believe that can not only relate to quantity, but the quality of our our days. So what is it that you fear? What do you think you can't ever confront or get through? Time and time again, people have told me, Pastor, in thinking about a situation like I'm in, I never thought I could make it. But I'm finding God to be faithful. I need to move on quickly. Pastor Jeremy said, "For me to take as long as I want, but we're all leaving at eleven o'clock, which is about this time." <laughs> I mentioned in the in the video the song "Love and the Outcome." Some of the words of that song say this: It talks about how that we can trust our God; He knows what He's doing, though it might hurt now, we won't be ruined. He knows what He's up to. And he's holding on to you and me. And he's never going to leave. He's with us. He is with us. And then the Lord lights our way through his presence. The Lord said, I am with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. When I was on vacation, I was at my son's church. They sang this hymn that I didn't know. I thought I knew all the hymns. But it contains these words. The dark is night, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, the Savior, he will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need his power is displayed. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me, though the deepest valley, through the deepest valley he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome, yet not I, but Christ. And then it's important for us to realize that the Lord lights our way through others. Sometimes it could be the experiences and the testimony of others. I remember a friend of mine by the name of Tim Brossman, fellow pastor, radio personality. Uh, many years ago, he began a downward trek because of being rear-ended an I-25 by a car going about like six miles an hour. Severe back injury, debilitating pain, followed by another rear-end accident, followed by surgeries, followed by... One thing after another. Matter of fact, even in the last couple of weeks, we received word that he had to have a leg amputated. In a in a wheelchair, I mean, through divorces, I mean, it's just like one thing after another, after another. But one of the things he told me early on, he said, Ken, I have a condition, but my condition doesn't have me. And when I laid in a hospital bed completely immobilized, completely on others to do everything for me, in my mind echoed the words, I have a condition, but my condition doesn't have me. Paul wrote and he said, but the God who encourages when we are discouraged encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. You see, when we're going through dark times, we say, God, where are you? Why aren't you doing something? And God may be showing up right in the person who's at our front door. When Debbie and I went, when I went through my health crisis, we had all kinds of friends who rallied to our side. And they came and they helped us. and They supported us and they took care of the yard. And they did, they did everything for us because we were like bare and vulnerable and we needed to help on, on every turn. Let me quickly close with just saying this. The Lord brings us out of darkness into the light of a new day. Psalm 138, verse 8 says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The well-known verse of Jeremiah twenty-eleven says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for your welfare, not for your disaster, to give you a hope and a future. Just quickly, Those great words of promise we hold on to were spoken to the children of Israel 70 years before. The next 70 years is going to be kind of rough. Wow. (laughs) But don't despair. I have plans. I know what I'm doing. I'm glad I'm not having to wait 70 years. However, what God wanted to know is that in the dark times, he was going to be with them and accomplish his purpose just as much as he would when things were going well. You know, we don't know when the, what the trials of, of darkness and outcomes may be when they're happening, but we need to have assurance that God is with us and that he will work it out. Job emerged from his time of darkness, and he made this statement. I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eyes are interested. Job, when God knew, said, well, I I kind of know about God. Now I see. When I think of my life, health crisis, I realized the Lord was using that to, in a sense, reset my heart, refocus my attention. A Caring bridge blog turned into me writing a devotion, one that I did online every day for three years. just to share my reflections that many people read and commented on, people that I didn't know. I was just doing it almost as a my own activity. I was just kind of like publicly uh, you know, distributing my like daily spiritual journal and thoughts. So I want you to know this. You can be confident that in dark times, God is filling his, fulfilling His purpose in our lives. The lives who trust Him. Who lean into Him. And you can be confident of this. The Lord will keep your light burning. And He will turn your darkness into light. You bow your heads. Words of an old song of the 80s by a writer by the name of Doug Moan says, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He works in ways you cannot see. God will make a way for me. Maybe you're here this morning, and you would just like to lift a hand and say, "Uh, "Can pray for me. I'm in a dark time right now, and I need God to make a way for me. I need God's presence in my life to help me. In my present struggle. If that's you, just lift a hand. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're kind of a convenience store Christian, and you realize I don't have the light of life of Christ burning in my life like it needs to be, and I need today to make a full, unconditional surrender to the Lord. If that's you, and you lift a hand and lift it high? I want to pray for you. Lord, thank you today that you care for us, that you draw us close to your side, and that you are with us. Shedding in your light in the midst of our darkness and bring us to the, the glory of a brand new day. We thank you.